Thank you, everyone. If you did fill in a response slip, you can pop them in the red box after the service. We're going to have Paul and Sue come up and um, we're going to have question time. Uh, we did want to just quickly start with one question that did come in through the week and we thought it was a helpful way to start today. Um, get Actually, there's a mic there. I'll give this to you, Sue. Um, does our response to being persecuted or treated unfairly depend on whether it is due to our faith or not? Our response. Uh, so this picks up on last week. I think generally what I'd say is no. That is, if you're being persecuted for whatever reason, then what you want to be is godly in whatever situation you find yourself in. So it probably isn't going to affect your your reaction, I don't think, all that much. It, if you know it's because of persecution for your faith, it may provide you with a way of talking about that. Although in most contexts where I've been persecuted for my faith, it's been a suspicion because it's not actually been overtly stated. I just suspect it. And then at that point you're attributing, you know, what someone is thinking at that point and you've got to be careful about doing that. You're doing this because I'm, you know... A Christian, aren't you? They might say at work, you know, no, it's because you're lousy at your job, right? You know, so, you know, it could be for a variety of reasons. But the, the behaviour, I think, is essentially the same. Yeah, that's yeah. really helpful. Thank you. Um, thought we might just start with a couple of... Good idea, Paul. So technical. Mm. Um, <laughs> a couple of questions um, that just help us uh, think through how we apply passage like this um, and particularly keen to hear uh, thoughts from Sue. Many of us do read a passage like this, and I think you've brought this up helpfully for us, Paul, and we find it difficult to imagine what this looks like for us in day-to-day um, for those of us who are married. Can you share how you've applied this in your marriage? And also, um, could you help us think through how um, we can avoid applying it unhelpfully? Hmm. Yes. Um, well, I'm glad I didn't read these passages before I became a Christian because I don't know that I would have kept looking at Christianity because it would have been like saying uh, black was white and white was black. Um, but So when I became a Christian, I then read some of these passages and my initial reaction was I felt quite hurt. You know, I thought, you know, um, I decided I would obey what God said, so I sort of ab- thought, oh, yeah, I'll follow it. Um, but then I... Um, Uh, read other passages like Jesus submitting to the Father and I realised all my words were different to what the Bible was saying. So when I heard submission, I thought it meant husbands crush your wives um, or dominate your wives and I had no idea that it was me who chose to submit and then I didn't know the content of that. So, So then I started reading some Christian books, initially very unhelpful, um, so it talked about this passage, quiet and, you know, uh, mm-hmm. whatever spirit gentle. it was, gentle and quiet spirit. And I thought, well, I'm an extrovert. Perhaps as a Christian I have to be a non-extrovert. And so I went through all these, you know, things trying to work it all out. And then um, realising that it's not to do with personality. It's to do with um, uh, actually knowing that God has made you and trying to be the best you that God has made you, so growing in godliness. So once I got rid of all of that, and then worked out, which took a little while, and then worked out that um, 
what God was talking about with husbands loving, wives submitting, and uh, in fact submitting is a way of loving as well, um, just working out that that is a, a rich and wonderful and a, a fabulous way, um, then we were trying to work it all out in our marriage. So um, for me, it particularly works in respect. So trying not to... Um, uh, we barred very on early on in our marriage the you idiot tone. And I think as Australian women, to be honest, we can easily, subtly sort of tell our husbands they're idiots by... If you're a Christian, you probably won't use those words, but it'll be the rolling of the eyes or the tone or the... And certainly when women talk to other women, you often hear that. So that sort of um, uh, valuing what Paul has to say, respecting him... Uh, and even when we had discussions together, we didn't always get it right, so another tip is apologise quickly, <laughs> um, but uh, doing it in a way that's robust but respectful. Um, so that was one of the things. I must say, um, although almost always we work as a partnership and we talk things through, there are occasions where we don't come to the same mind. And so in this robust discussion, there is always in brackets, but if we can't come to agreement, I will actually follow your lead on this um, and so you know I can think early on in the marriage particularly with giving um, I came from a family that was very generous they weren't Christians but they were very generous we were always broken you know that was I thought the right way to go about things Paul came from a banking family where you could never, have, never enough. have enough money in the bank <laughs> exactly and so I thought he was being stingy he thought I was being reckless both of which were a little bit true so as we worked through these things together, we both actually worked out, you know, Paul was saying you shouldn't give away if it means you've got a credit debt, and I th- I, which I thought was a strange thought, but eventually agreed with him. And he thought, um, you know, I don't have to be that careful with giving, you know, even if it's not going to be used perfectly, I'm not that careful when I buy, you know, a pair of sand shoes. So we then worked together and actually ended up with a better result. But I initially worked out I could follow what Paul was saying but still not really submit because my, in brackets were, you know, the tone was you're still being stingy and you're wrong but I'll do it anyway. So that's not submitting. Um, And similarly, Paul could not really listen because it already attributed you're just being reckless as opposed to, no, we need to err on the side of being generous, not on the side of being too careful. So, you know, that was just one example in it. Mm. Really helpful. Any thoughts from you, Paul? Uh, look, I think that the the big challenge for me, I think for lots of men that I've encountered over the years, is working out, and not to be selfish, really, uh, that is how to serve their wives. And then I think, uh, even though I worked on that, uh, helpfully communicating to Sue that I valued and treasured her, not just thinking it, but working out how I actually communicate that in different ways in ways that she would be able to hear. Uh, so, you know, I, you know I, I catch him for breakfast with a group of blokes and uh, one of them was telling us the other day that his wife said to him that uh, she would appreciate it if he could say that he loved her more often, right? You know, say that more often, those words, I love you. And uh, he said to her, look, I, I promised to do that on our wedding day and if I change my mind, I'll let you know, you know? Now... I think that's a little inadequate, you know. Uh, that is, I think there's a need to keep appropriately communicating as well as serving and working that out. And I, I think uh, husbands in our societal context, 
They generally fail at standing up and taking responsibility for things. And I think in that area of taking responsibility to care for the people around them, uh, we can tend to sit back and I think um, step away from that responsibility which creates a vacuum into which someone's got to step and uh, that can destabilise marriages. So I think I'd be saying generally that men need to, you know, actually step up and serve and take responsibility for serving. I think that would be a thing, and I think I've had to learn to do that more. And then just that mutual, we, um, and I was talking to somebody before the service, actually noticing each other's, um, what we do for each other, so just being thankful and and expressing that. So um, the little things, not just the big things. Hmm. Um, So that just keep building and paying attention. So Paul matters, and it comes from my response to God. So because God is the most significant, um, that means that um, Paul is incredibly significant too and we can, um, my response to Paul is because of that. Mm. I must put that mic up. Yes. (laughs) Oh, that's really helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I think one of the things I was really thankful for was how clear you were too, Paul, in um, your sermon uh, where our church stands on things, issues like domestic violence. And I just wanted to point you all to a resource that Sue has found on our behalf. And um, we have printed a few of these. It is um, knowing what passages um, are in the Bible, how not to read them, and how to read them in context properly. And it's just helpful because I think they uh, can be used unhelpfully uh, in a marriage and it's good for us as Christians to understand God's word well. So if you want a copy, they'll be on the table across there um, and we'll also make them available um, in the weekly email if you prefer an electronic copy. So thanks, Sue, for pointing us to that resource. Um, We just had another question that we wanted to think through um, that 1 Peter 1 to 7, uh, 3, 1 to 7, paints this image of what a healthy marriage looks like. Now, we realise that healthy marriages exist in healthy communities, and we also realise that um, healthy marriages don't materialise on the day that people get married, that actually that's something that we want people to be working on in their character, um, even if they're not married. Uh, just wondered... What sort of advice do you have to us as a church corporately that we can be that sort of community that supports healthy marriages but also um, creates character in people that um, grows that sort of marriage? Yeah, the, uh, I think for those of us with uh, children, the way we raise our children is very important. Uh, so the one thing in our house was I would not ever allow our kids to disrespect Sue. Right? That was just a space where they could not go. And, uh, you know, and I think that that's, that's been an appropriate thing uh, just to insist upon respect for Sue as their mother. And I figured that that was also training them up to be respectful in due course when they came to thinking about spouses. I know one of our, our sons, um, he was going out with a, with a girl that I, I thought was a pretty impressive girl, actually. And, uh, he broke it off and I sat down with him and I said, look, this, you know, you might be being too fussy, you know, because she was a very impressive girl. It's a percentage bet, I think That's you right. Well, I, did. I just said, you know, like, you're never going to get anyone perfect, but, you know, she was pretty good. And uh, he said, he said, yeah, he said, but I think it would have been too easy for me to be married to her and roll over the top of her. 
and always get my own way. And I think what I need is someone who will just push back into that space and encourage me to grow in godliness. And so I, and that's exactly who he's married, actually, a lovely uh, woman who actually is godly, but, you know, pushes back. And then the other comment he made was, he said, that, that's what you've done with mum. And so I want a relationship that works like that. And I thought, oh, there's a lovely honouring tone about that. And I think that in households we can do that. I think the way we talk with one another uh, so that we actually don't, we don't um, encourage godless talk uh, when we get into situations. Just, you know, we want to listen well to each other but not allow people to just complain and whinge about their relationships unhelpfully. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there, there are a couple of thoughts. Yes, and it's, it's a funny... Um, we always say we wish somebody had come earlier to talk about a serious problem in a marriage, um, which is quite different, you know, because often people wait till it gets very serious. So obviously you want to have that serious conversation early but not just that general sort of put-down conversation. Yep. Yeah. The other thing I think is um, not um, overvaluing or undervaluing marriage. So not seeing how, um, for example, God's way for marriage is great. So uh, otherwise the young people will think, well, look, there's better alternatives. Why don't I just do what the rest of the world is doing? And to actually see that that intimate sexual relationship within the context of a loving, supporting marriage is great. So I think good teaching on that. Um, but then not overvaluing marriage because we want people to grow in godliness for every relationship. Some may have marriage. Some may only have marriage for a few years. You know, uh, the partner may die or, um, you know, eventually one will probably die before the other. So marriage isn't the peak. Um, Godliness is the goal in all relationships. So making that very clear I think is helpful. Um, Interestingly enough, um, our daughter once said, um, I... um, uh, now, we're not perfect. They've seen us do lots of things wrong as well, which the other thing is, remember, we're going, it's a learning thing. But she one day was sort of in tears. She was saying, I don't think I could find somebody who was as kind as, as Dad to marry. And Because I kept saying to the kids as they were growing up, marry somebody Christian and kind. Um, and I said, well, your dad now has been married for 40 years or 30 years at whatever, 35 years at that stage. But I think it also is a protective thing. If you've seen a marriage where people are kind and respectful to each other um, and you are treated that way in a family setting, you won't put up with it easily in other settings. So I think if we model that as a Christian community, we're protecting people to a degree. Um, And so I think that's helpful. Um, But also it will be a learning thing. None of us will enter marriage understanding all that marriage. That'll take us... And, you know, we'll be learning things next week about how to treat each other properly until we die too. Mm. Mm. That's really helpful. Thank you. We've had a few questions um, come in about um, specifics uh, that are in the passage. Uh, Do you think the qualities recommended for wives, i.e. to be gentle, quiet and spirit, submissive, can they also be extended to husbands if the situation was reversed where it's the husband who's the non-believing spouse? Oh, yeah. sorry, we're the wife. Sorry, we're the wife is the un- unbelieving spouse. I, I suspect when you get to verse 7, uh, that's actually one of the situations that's in mind. Uh, so it doesn't, I know it says, um, is with you the gracious gift of life. So you could think it's just saying, now we've reverted to husbands and wives that are both Christian. 
But I think in this context it actually is saying uh, husbands who are married to unbelieving wives as well and it's advocating uh, respect and grace and, you know, generosity in that space. So I think it, it, a lot of the same qualities actually apply across the board to both situations. And then I think the point I was making is that obviously we're trying to be godly in all our relationships with unbelievers and this section actually captures a lot of that no matter what that situation is. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's helpful. Um, maybe um, a question about what do you do if you ask your spouse um, the question, uh, do they cherish or respect you that you were mentioning as a suggestion, Paul, and they say no, they don't want to talk about it. What next? Well, I don't want to talk about it. Oh, sorry. Or... And they say no. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so maybe no, they don't cherish you. Okay. They yeah, don't respect you. Yeah, because my... Don't feel respected. Yeah. Don't feel respected or cherished. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think if... Um, so I've, in, you know, encouraged husbands and wives to ask that question. You get a no answer. That's brilliant, right? Because from there you can actually follow it up and say, well, you know, um, why is that the case? What do I do or fail to do? that has caused you to feel that way, um, how can we work on this together? What, what can I do to actually help this to change? And uh, so it gives you a chance to work on something together. And that's exactly why I want the questions asked because um, it's a risky question and you're likely to get some feedback, at least in part, that indicates areas that you need to keep working on, whether you're a husband or a wife. So that, that's the reason for it. Yeah, and it's not going to be absolute because um, there will always be a time somewhere along the way or something your partner does that makes you feel less cherished or feel less yep. respected. And, it, and some of it's relationally um, unique. So, for instance, Paul and I joke about the fact that I drive by touch and that he kills everything in the garden. Now, that's, we do that joke because... It's if, not a joke, it's true. It's true. <laughs> we do that because... Um, it's sort of a fondness yep. we both... In another marriage, that, that people would feel like it was putting them down. Yep. So um, if, if Paul said to me, actually, I feel put down when you say that, that embarrasses me, I would stop doing it. Um, I wouldn't have meant to um, be disrespectful. And if he said, you know, if I said to him, I feel really, you know, silly when you say a drive-by touch, um, uh, which is true, uh, uh, then he would stop saying it. So, you know, it's the part Not of that, that she feels speaking. silly but that she drives by touch. Yeah, right? Just to I'll, I'll feel silly that no, I drive right. by touch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. I just think that's a reality. You know, yeah. Yep, no, that's good. Um, that's a helpful thought. Um, we have a question here. How does God in the gospel address fear that can characterise such uh, relationships in um, 3 verse 6? Um, what support does God provide or is it just grit your teeth and press on? Could you say the first bit again? Uh, how does God in the gospel address the fear that can characterise such a relationship? So I... I think actually as you go through this letter and you go to chapter 1, it talks about this, the inheritance and the blessings you have in Christ. And so they are, I'm not just saying that, but they are foundational to your confidence about life and pressing on. So the gospel itself and your relationship with God is of paramount importance when you're under pressure or uh, naturally in fear or whatever the situation then the other comment I'd make is that 
if you're in that sort of context, and I mentioned this, that if you have fears uh, in a relationship, and they may not be of uh, an abusive kind or a domestic violence kind, uh, but just the uncertainties that situation puts you in, Christian community is extraordinarily valuable. So you have many sisters and brothers and people around you who can support you in a context of feeling isolated or in fear. You need to entrust yourself to people appropriately. But I'd say there are two ways in which God has provided for us himself and relationship with himself. Other godly brothers and sisters in Christ who can stand with you and be a support. And I think, too, you can risk loving if you know that your deepest needs are met. I, funnily enough, just after Paul and I got married, I was thinking, would I survive if Paul died? Weird sort of thought. And then I thought, yeah, I would be okay. I'd be really sad, but I'd still be okay. So there's that sense because I know God loves me, he'll be with me, he's got his purposes. And so I think that sense of once you know that all your deepest needs are met, um, then you can actually give out even if you might get rejected. Oh. So that, that sort of takes away that fear aspect, I think. Mm. Well, we might finish up question time there. We actually had more questions um, that we could have asked you, but I think for the sake of our lovely kids' leaders, we won't <laughs> press on. Um, but I did want to thank you, Paul and Sue. Thanks, You've come to the end of um, our time with us here at Tonsley, and we have just been enormously thankful for your uh, wisdom as you've shared, uh, Paul, for your clear teaching. Uh, so we do thank you and thank you for your role in the network no, too. Thanks, so thanks as you hop down, I will um, yep. pray for us. Um, Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that you are our kind and merciful God, that you have met our deepest need. In the Lord Jesus, we have our identity in him, that we know your love, that we are precious, precious to you and cherished. We thank you for this in your son's name. Amen.